Hello friends, I'm your host Chris Thrill, I'm a former Royal Marines Commando, I've adventured for better and sometimes worse across 80 countries on all seven continents. Welcome to the Bought the T-Shirt Podcast. Hello friends and a wonderfully good evening to you all. Um, I'm Chris Rule. I'm a former Royal Marines Commando and now proud host of the Bought the T-Shirt podcast and it's my utmost delight to welcome fellow Marine, fellow author, fellow, um, what can you say, life smasher, Gareth Timmins back to the show. Gareth, how are you brother? I'm very well, thanks, mate. It's uh, it's a pleasure to be back, mate. It really is. Uh, yeah, it's great. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm I'm busy um, rallying the veterans because uh, the time is now, fellas. I think some of you understand what I'm saying, but we'll we'll maybe talk more about that in a bit, Gareth. Um, for our friends at home, Gareth's written this wonderful book. Oh, there we go. Look, not just becoming the one percent but becoming the 0.1%. And that is the statistic for the number of people that want to join the Marines and go to the recruiting office and the actual number, so one in a thousand, that get awarded the green the green berry. Um, so how's book sales going, mate? Yeah, it's going really well. It's just, I mean, how it's been received has been absolutely incredible. I've just been, just been blown away. I mean, writing, starting to write, a few, well, four or five years ago now and just... You know yourself being a being a fellow author, mate. Is when you you get like writer's anxiety and amnesia, where you you don't know whether it's going to be received well or whether it's going to be good or what you're writing is actually good. And and then all of a sudden, fast forward, and it's it's just it's just doing incredibly well and just being received not only by the military but military personnel, but just by by everybody day to day, men and women. So it's just it's just been incredible, mate. Absolutely incredible. Yeah, well deserved, mate, isn't it? Well deserved. It's um. Life is funny, you know. What God, I'm gonna sound not to sound critical here, mate, but it's when people go, Oh, yeah, I'm thinking about writing a book, you just know immediately from that sentence that book is never going to be written, right? Because you don't think <laughs> you don't think about right, you you either write it or it doesn't happen, um, yeah, sure. And it's that journey, isn't it? You put pen to paper, and lo and behold, whatever it is, a year later, in my case, by the time I finished editing, it was about two years later, and there you are, you've got a publishing deal, you're a published author, it's an incredible achievement, but, you know, one one step at a time, isn't it? It is, mate, it's it's, it's a strange one, because I've, I've kind of, I've started putting a bit of pen to paper now for something that I'm potentially working on, and it's almost like when you start it, you just, you don't know if, if you're just wasting your time, it's a real, really, it's a real strange one. And it's exactly how I felt when I was writing this up. I, I, I did the diary entries, but then I just, I didn't really know where to go with it after that. And it's just, you, you never know whether, what you've got no guarantees. And I think that's the biggest gamble of it. You've just got no guarantees that it's going to get published and that it's going to get received well. So you're very much, uh, I suppose in a sense, it's a very uh, therapeutic kind of way of, of, of expression and, and, and creativity. What I found recently, mate, is is that I write when things aren't particularly great or when I'm in adversity. Like I wrote the diary in training, I wrote this when I was going for a really difficult uh, 
kind of renovation and they're separated with me with my long-term partner so mm-hmm. it's just uh it, it's a, it's just it's strange how it kind of emerges really yes it's one of those things in life where you just got to get stuck in and go for it um I, I will be honest when you're writing non-fiction it does help if you've got a story there doesn't it like you had your marine story because you had the backbones of it written through your diary that you kept i had my story and i was thinking on it people always ask me about my memoir they say was it therapeutic i'm like what writing about when you absolutely lost the plot 20 years ago and nearly died <laughs> several times i, I was it, it's all memories you, you should for, now, I didn't write my book for any of that stuff. I wrote it because I wanted to make a name for myself. Yeah. You know, I was that um, ego driven back then, 2008, that I wanted my five minutes of fame. So I wasn't going to mm. make it as the lead singer of Oasis because they already had one. Is that what you wanted though, mate? Oh, massively. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to be adored by, um, you know, hundreds of thousands of screaming fans yeah yeah is it is we could go down a a bit of a rabbit hole here but you know this all ties in with damaged childhood trying to prove yourself as a marine um finding yourself through substance use but but being that damaged you just take it way too far and unintentionally you don't have any control over that once it's got you you just got to ride that baby out and some people Some people don't make it, sadly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but through the journey, because I did make it, and there was one time, mate, yeah, I I used to go down the oh, our local pub guys, the roughest pub. In, people feared to go in there, and I loved it. <laughs> I used to go in, there was a bong on the bar. Anything you wanted, either that guy there could get it for you or that guy there could get it for you. And, and um used to go in there and always on the jukebox it was the verb or oasis and these guys were just you know it, it for me back then they were just living a dream you know snorting yeah them. yeah yeah they snorting stuff for breakfast and then going out and yeah i wanted it oh you know and this is this is damaged psyche i wanted in i thought but anyway mm. so i'm talking a lot but the thing is that that's why i wrote my book I wanted, mm. I wanted my fame. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, I'll be honest, I am quite glad that I, I got a bit of it. Um, mm. It's led me on to just have a dream lifestyle. But now, on full circle, it's nothing to do with having any kind of public profile. That's, it's, uh, you know, I'm so level-headed now. If I woke up tomorrow and all, all my books have been taken off the shelf, and my YouTube channel would been deplat. I I I just smile and go for breakfast with my family. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you person. do you think you'll write again? Oh, mate, I'd love to. I love writing every day. It's only that this YouTube journey just took me left field, bloody ages, and I'm just as so I was coming back in again, and I was going to start doing my audio books. This um. I'm just going to call it this nonsense came upon us. People will either understand what I'm talking about or they won't. And of course, I'm now looking at a future for my son of complete slavery. You know, mm. I, I, I've been lucky. So have you. We've traveled the planet. We've, you know, I've been every country I ever wanted to go and I've done everything I ever wanted to do. And nobody stopped me. Now, my son won't ever be able to travel. He won't ever be able to go in a nightclub. This is 
almost like 99.9% certain. Um, he won't be allowed to do anything unless he kowtows to a bullying corporate agenda that's not, not in anybody's interest anyway, right? So just as I thought I was going to get back to the writing, I've had to rally the veterans to come and sort this shit out, you know, um, which I don't mind doing because you get one life. You can either live as a legend or you can just be a gutless coward. And believe me, there's plenty of gutless cowards out there that are just going along with this because it makes their life easier. I'm not talking mm -hmm. about the people that don't understand what's going on. That's not that's not their fault. I mean, the ones that know what's going on, but they're just like, oh, I'll just I'll just turn a blind eye. So, you know, that was to answer, um, answer your question. Um, so, yeah, you know, writing. I wanted my five minutes of fame. Did Was that an issue for you or did you just want to see your book come to fruition? Th uh, fruition, really, mate. I, I when I started writing the diary, uh, it was it never my intention whatsoever to uh, to write a book. I just. I got asked on a recent podcast, like, what are the what's the two things that you you never thought that you would do as a young as a young as a young boy, and one of them is write the book, and the second is go to university. I just it was just I never could have predicted that at all. But uh, there were two things I, I felt like I had a, uh, an obligation to get the contents out there because I was so sick and tired of seeing the documentaries that were getting churned out from Limston that were just really watered down. Uh, and, and and didn't accurate, accurately represent what life was like at Limston. And I just felt that my book did that. So I just started writing, mate, and just, uh, and I think I, I had I had uh, full belief in, in in what I'd got. Uh, and then obviously met my agent and he just said, you need to add in the lessons. And I just finished university. So the lessons, the psychological lessons just lended itself to, to the book. And I just pulled out a theme and, uh, and here we are. So it's just, in a sense, it's just been the perfect storm, mate. Yeah, those documentaries are designed to make it look like it's softy, softy for wimps, isn't it? So that because they're desperate for recruitment now, like, I mean, like cracking the ice on Peter's pool on a February morning when it's minus, like you know, it's minus bloody six. You've got to get straight in that water with all, <laughs> all that equipment on without, and you don't think about it. They don't, hmm. you know, it's hard to capture that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It really is hard to capture that. And I think if they did capture it, they'd be, they'd be uproar. But the, the reality of it is just, I just wish that, that somebody would have the courage just to film it how it is because people want to see that. Like you said, it's like on our endurance course, on one of the run-throughs, or it might even have been on the day, the two people at the front on the, on the, on the speed match-up had to break the ice with a sledgehammer. Uh, ready for us to go through it. Uh, so, so yeah, I just felt like uh, there were a story to be told. Is is exactly that the fame and the and if there is any uh, fortune incoming, uh, is just a byproduct, really, mate. It was just more of a. Just felt I had to do it. It was just uh, I was getting drawn to it. It wasn't a, really a choice, as from what I can recall. Yes, um, it's. I, I... People, when they read my stuff that I write about Limston or whatever, or, or when I do my podcasts on on my time, and they're amazed that I can remember it. I didn't, I never wrote it, but I just remember it. You know, mm. I, I just, I, I mean, I remember all. I remember rocking up in induction. We're talking bloody oh God, I can't, I can't even do them for thirty five years ago now. 
Mate, I tell you what, you must have had training hard then. Oh, mate, when I went through, <laughs> it was the hardest in the world. It was actually mm. quite well known that it was harder for my troop than it actually is for the SAS. <laughs> and the SBS combined, like, I mean, the SAS, do the SAS selection, then do SBS right out. Oh, it's the same thing now. That doesn't work, does it? Um, yeah. But, but yeah. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying, mate. But no, we all like to say that. But it, it, it certainly was harder back then because we didn't have this four weeks that they've got now to prepare. Mm. You know, you go, the, the, there's lots of stuff. They're saying that these kids' bodies, I don't mean kids disrespectfully, I, you know, but we was teenagers mm. when we rocked up there, weren't we? Yeah. You, you're a bit older than me, I remember you saying, but they're saying aren't they that they're because they're just doing the xbox all day and not throwing themselves out of trees and building dens like we did their bodies are not formed like yeah as as men so yeah. they've got these kind of that that's the reason mate why they've brought in the rlp the four weeks the recruit orientation phase because uh people's skeletal structure especially lower limbs are not uh conditioned enough to take the impact and as a result they're getting a lot of stress fractures early in training so the i think they've been looking at vitamin d supplementation to uh to try and see if that works they're trialing that or they have trialed that but yeah it just it i mean that is a vivid kind of representation of of of, of the, the difference in generation and where we currently stand now uh and i mean i went through in 2005 and it was massively different to what it is now. Uh, we we lived differently as a child in, in the 80s and 90s. Like you said, uh, jumping out of trees and jumping over people's fences and playing tigs and all that. It's You don't really see that anymore. Uh, I know times have changed. Do you know why it's great? Is if, if I quite often forget to lock the garden shed now or lock the front door. You don't have to worry about it. No, no one's tough enough to go and rob your house. <laughs> um it's um it, but it is a thing you know it used to be if you left your car door open for one night that's your stereo gone yeah um bit different now because the stereos are, are all anti-theft sophisticated but mate before we go any further can i open my present you can indeed mate yes absolutely so friends at home look what i got all wonderfully packaged look naught point um one it, 0.1 sorry i have to think then beautiful little postcard in there i haven't got my glasses but um mission statement a brand that invites you to be better strive for higher level to high, to strive for higher levels of performance and capability to reach your true percent potential www.0.1.co.uk look at that dun, dun, dun. And inside, mate, this is like the best wrapping I think I've ever, ever, I've, it's like going to Harrods or something. I've got the seal, I've got the official seal. Yeah, mate, I'm delighted about that. It looks fantastic, yeah. Oh, mate, it's awesome. Awesome. Let's get it open. I, I, I don't want to rip it, but I guess I might have, or maybe I just slide it out sideways. How about that? And then after you've done that, I think you should keep it in that forever. Well, every time I put yeah. it away, I have to put it back in here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Glo Globe and Laurel size, everybody. For all our civilian friends out there, or uh, we've got Paddy in the chat. Paddy's uh, our para brother. 
Um, everything at Linston has to be magazine size. That's why we call it Globe and Laurel, our magazine, the Globe and Laurel. Everything has to be this size in your locker. You try getting a pair of socks to that size, I tell you, it's not easy. Oh, mate, look at that. Oh, that is legendary. Look at on the back, destroy boundaries on the front, point one. Oh, mate, that is so kind of you, Gareth. No I'm, problem, mate. Pleasure. Really, really appreciate That means I don't have to go shopping for another year, possibly two. Um, <laughs> I know that you're mega into like sustainability in the planet, mate. So that's what I kind of thought when I sent it. I just thought that you could, you, you, you went and there's a year in that easy. Oh, mate, you're a legend. Absolutely. I'll tell you what, I never thought I'd get so many T-shirts sent to me since I started the podcast. And it's brilliant. People yeah. are so kind, you know. Um, people are so kind so yes where were we talking about the horrors of Linton let's um get some let's get some questions from the chat so there's some questions in there aren't there we'll ignore some of them what's that Chris how come you're so handsome just born like it mate born like it um oh Gareth, I'm here mate someone's trying to call Gareth um uh, Luke saying bought the t-shirt on that one Chris don't we all Luke that's Luke our producer um uh, how do you know where to start from Jules? Yeah. I think that that is uh, for the book, I, I I believe. Yeah, you say your way and I'll say how I did mine. Yeah, so what I did for, for mine really was, uh, and this is how I've kind of started future writing projects, is I just write down sections that I want to discuss uh, in chronological, chronological order. Uh, and I basically, I write the main body first. Uh, as in the main section of the book. Uh, and then I allow the main section of the book to inform, obviously, the conclusion, but also the introduction. And now I'm going to start it. So I just basically, uh, with training, with with a diary, I got in the, the, the main meat of the diary entries uh, and then worked out a way of our, then linked it all together, both from the start and from the end, really. Yeah, you had it all... You, you... You, you're on a winner there because you had all the structure. So I'll just see if I can get you this up. Um, for anyone out there who wants to write a book. Oh, this is, oh, oh how how uh, bizarre. Oh, there it is. I thought they'd taken one of my books off Amazon. Um, this is just a real, ah, hang on, let me just show people at home this one second. Yeah, so this, this book here, folks, How to Write a Memoir. I just put this together. For anybody out there that wants to write in it is just everything that i had to learn to write my first book and get it published and it's mm. concise so you're not going to get a big thick book that by the time you get to the end there's just too much to, it's really simple writing it, it um it's a process and you get better as you go along it and your skills improve by going through the process not by like reading huge great books on how to be good at writing so um, yeah so it's there. So exactly that i think the, the greatest advice i could give anybody is just write concisely which yeah. you've just touched upon mate yeah and that book tends to be free guys on kindle so you can read it on your phone download kindle to your phone and read it and whatever but in my book because i was writing about something that happened 15 years ago which 15 years ago when i wrote the book i just bomb burst all my memories basically what happened in hong kong and leaving the marines i wrote just wrote pages of every memory little little old chinese man said this guy in the nightclub said this i said that 
this happened there, so-and-so on the bus, going to the nightclub, meeting Brandon Block, da -da -da -da, <clears> you know, just, just, and then I went through it and thought, right, that happened after that, swap that, and I ended up with roughly, this said about 12 chapters, mm. and I just picked the first memory and I wrote it, and I picked the next one, I wrote that as my next, and I did all the stuff, put the reader in the scene, you know, address the sights, the sounds, all this sort of stuff, really just, all you got to do, put the reader in your shoes, so they're enjoying a ride, and that's your job done, right? Yeah. And as I went through that process, just come up with loads more memories. And those 12 pages went to about 24. And some stuff I wrote about, and then I just deleted it. But I thought that's... But yeah, anyway, sorry. I just wanted to, to shout my book there because it's... Um, anyone who's thinking of writing, it's all in there. Let's go to another question. Absolutely. Are you going to do the uh, Andy McNabb, Chris Ryan road? I guess they're talking about the fiction, not not joining the yeah. SAS. Yeah, the non-fiction side of it. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it's if it's kind of me really. I like. I'm a great fan of like gritty documentaries, and it's kind of how I want to write. I want to write real life. Uh, kind of no kind of fluffing it up, but just real to life accounts of of whatever of the Marines of mental health of mindset. And just kind of be really, really honest with it and tell it how it is. So I'm not sure whether the Andy McNabb and the Chris Ryan road kind of lends itself to 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 where I want to go. Maybe in future, but at the minute, I just want to do like real life accounts that people can really that resonate with people from all different walks of life and that will help. Uh, I think is 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 definitely where I find my most fulfilment with with writing. Yeah. Do you have any ideas of what you might come up with? So. <laughs> I've always really suffered with OCD uh, as a child and it always really, really kind of, in a sense, was a force for good. It was the the, the perfectionist side of OCD as a, as a child growing up, which really, really helped in, in rugby and, and preparing and getting into the Marines and, and writing a diary. But then when I went into like kind of hostile environments, it started going really negative uh, as in with the checking and the ruminating thoughts and stuff. And I'm still battling with that today. Uh, and I just thought that I'd I'd kind of do something where we discuss that, but also discuss success, and how sometimes the byproduct of uh, of success is 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 mental illness. Yes, I guess you can never write enough about that, can you? No, so that's just one kind of angle. Just using, just talking in a sense about my mind and and just how it functions and how it allows me to be creative and 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 go out there and in a sense, achieve what I want to do, but also the downside of it. Uh, I suppose the, the downside of, of what you could consider to be a successful mindset, and that is that often we don't really pay attention to how we're actually feeling. We're constantly on this path of trying to achieve when, when you're, not really, you're not really taking stock of, of where you are mentally. Guys, so true, mate, you know. Funny old life, isn't it? Because probably like yourself, I mean, we wouldn't have achieved some of the things we hadn't unless we were obsessive. That's the thing. That is it. Yeah. But the downside of being obsessive in what you want to do is, is it has massive, uh, there's massive fallout from it. There is negatives that you have to contend with. As soon as you take your, your foot off the, uh, off the success kind of path, you start encountering problems. And that's kind of what I've, what I've had to contend with throughout really. But yeah, that and, and just basically 
so how does that affect you then gareth do you get i mean do you get anxiety or stress or depressed or what i don't really get, i don't get depressed mate but i get uh sometimes i get bad anxiety uh as a result of ocd uh it's all kind of ocd led where i sometimes feel like i can't relax unless i've checked certain things and it's all irrational stuff uh it could be making sure the taps off and i know it sounds stupid but and i say this because i just hope it helps other people uh that i think there's like we've discussed before the stereotype of of, of people like us is, is that you're so mentally strong that you but it's it's just not the case we, we are mentally strong people but uh we're human beings at the end of the day and and we have to manage our emotions and and sometimes it just spills over yes we're mentally strong at certain things i like to think i'm a good all-rounder now because i've just put so much effort into it mm. if you can wake up happy and go to bed happy and never let pretty much never let anything get you down or, or when it starts you can recognize that and take yeah action then i think jobs are good Mate, at, you know if, if you're in a fantastic place if you're there uh absolutely and i'm not saying i'm not there uh i'm just saying that things could be better what i have found chris in recent years especially i think on publishing the book is that i always thought success brought fulfillment and and it definitely doesn't is what i've what i've learned uh and i'm really really starting to look at that as i'm approaching 40 now and getting a bit older that if i want to fulfillment i can't keep chasing success because i don't think it's going to be at the end of it uh, i'm not saying i'm not going to continue to do so but you, you, you're constantly chasing these things in life to bring you happiness and they don't yeah there's a massive thing there isn't this you, you you've got to just sit back chill the hell out and realize you're in paradise now don't keep thinking it's next week with this that's a definite thing that's but, exactly it but but what i did is when i had my book published to me that was the cherry on the cake of life simply because you, you know i was a bit my mindset was so different then i you know i had friends that were earning thousands a week I had friends that were, you know, what you know, dating like the top news readers from the BBC, you know, married to them, all this kind of stuff. And it, when you're there and you're sticking needles in your arm twelve times a day, and and you're living in squalor and you've lost all yourself, you, you all that stuff seems so. And you take a load of shit when you've got mental health problems. You know, you get, you just get treated like fucking dirt by society right yeah so for me it was just this thing that i traveled a lot i'd done so much in my life but i'd never achieved like vocationally i wasn't mm. like good at anything and so yeah. when i got my book published that for me was index job done that is on you know that that funny uh ref video the uh five mile of death <laughs> right fellas <laughs> hang on this is scale saxon isn't it you can stand toe to toe in the bar with the parrots and marines. <laughs> right, that, that one. Right. For me, it was like, I can stand toe to toe in the bar with any fucker. I'm a best selling author. What What are you? Oh, oh, you're, you're a salesman. You're an hundred grand a year. Okay. I, that's how my, my mind wasn't like that, but other people's were. Yeah. I wanted to be able to meet that. What I realise now is I didn't need any of that shit. I just, all you need to do is smile and be yourself in life. And who gives a fuck about all of that? 
Bollocks, you know? Yeah, it's it's a it's a strange kind of realization, mate. And I think I'm probably heading there myself. Uh, but it's you like chase all these materialistic things and titles, uh, and I'm not saying I don't like them and I don't like the achievement of it. Uh, and but for me, I almost relish the journey more than the actual thing of getting it. I mean, the book has has completely, in a sense, flipped that on its head because I'm still blown away by buy it buy it really and, and, and getting it to publication but I just think that we spend so much time projecting into the future uh and wanting these things and wanting this idyllic life and we don't look at what we've got now and that's something that I really really try and, and really focus my time on now especially with my boy I mean there's been times when we've been walking in the Peak District we go there quite a lot and sometimes we just sit down and uh, on a on the top of a tour and we just have a, a simple picnic and it's, I just, I just kind of self-reflect and think, you know what? I don't need anything else other than just to be sat here with him. That's all I need. Uh, and, and I think that is, if I could bottle that and have a bit more of that in my life, uh, that kind of feeling of, of not, just, I'm up here and I don't need anything else. I think I, that's, that's where it's at. Yes. When, I mean, I'm, I'm exactly the same boat. I mean, we're, we're both in the same boat in that respect. And, it, and it works with myself as well. Now, sometimes I just walk away from this freaking computer. I spent I spent thousands upon thousands of hours in front of this this screen, that screen, that screen. I've done this now mm. for for fourteen years, you know. And now I just say fuck it. I go and put the telly on and I watch a documentary. <laughs> and I just I love to be able to just do that. Say it doesn't yeah. it doesn't matter. And mm. then when my you know, kid comes home from school. I try to like be there for him, or at least do. We go down a park, at least do something. Mm -hmm. But isn't it mad mm -hmm. how that eighties, you know, time is money culture meant people would put their kids with a nanny so that they could go to work more? Yeah, that mate, it's fucked up. It's, uh, I mean, the, the most precious thing that you've got is 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 spending time with your kids and and, and watching them grow and. And and my little boy is nearly seven now, and I just he is literally my life. I just love spending time with him. He's difficult. He's tough. He uh, comes with his problems, but uh, I, I'm at my happiest when 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 I'm when I'm with him. It's 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 just fantastic. And to think that you would offset that responsibility to somebody else that's not even blood related is is pretty crazy, really. I think I think as society, I think we just the, the world's socially constructed in a way that is. Uh, completely detrimental in some respects to to our mental health, and it's it's just getting worse. Oh, massively! Um, I can make decisions now, quite ruthless ones, because if the universe is telling me the people in my life are stressing me out, then they can fuck off. Mm. I just I can cut them out absolutely. I don't, I'm not talking about being nasty or anything here. I just yeah. mean, I just mean that you know I meet so many people now on a daily, weekly basis and everybody wants a piece of me you know i'm not i'm not I absolutely this is not a complaint i'm just saying how it is and i mm. try to be there for, for everybody get lots of emails saying chris um my number's here mate you can just pick up the phone so we can have a chat and and it's like people see you on youtube for two hours a week they think that's all you do you know two yeah. hours yeah and the rest of the time you sit chatting it's like i can't even phone the people i love <laughs> well i can but you know, yeah. if I had that time, I'd spend it, my son. Um, yeah. But 
recently I realized that certain situations would they were lower in my vibration. Mm. The people weren't right, and there's nothing wrong with them. They just it wasn't. I had to walk away. I just had to say, right, sorry, my son, my son comes first. Absolutely, mm. he can't. He can't have a stressed out dad because when I get mm. stressed, I can get shouty, and that's just unacceptable. You know? Yeah, it's just unacceptable around a child. And have you not? Have you found that Gareth that being a father has really made you brush your skills up? Absolutely. I mean, I. Uh, it, it's just it's just the greatest kind of responsibility that you can have, and I know it's it's often quite a, a cliche word, really, but. This, the, the weirdest part about becoming a father was is that I were always uh, I were a certain type of person that I think you've got to be to go in the Marines and I think you can probably attest to this mate and a lot of people can and when 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 then when we knew we were having my little boy I wondered what kind of dad I would be and whether whether I would love him like I wanted to because I didn't feel like I had that in me but as soon as he were born I just he was just my absolutely everything and uh, and yeah, just just absolutely relish every every moment we get together. It's mad, and it's mad. It's mad how it changes you, mate. Because I uh, I was very much like I always thought that I'd be like going out and, and 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 being overseas in the Middle East and stuff and working like that. And I was, I think, chasing the buzz of in a sense being in hostile environments. But as soon as I had him, I just looked, there were a piece of me that I just lost. I just lost the edge that you need to do that. And uh, just thank God I did. This is the selfishness of service personnel. I, I would say particularly men, although I don't know this, but is they literally will just go into a war zone with no thought. Well, apparently very little thought that like you're a father with three fucking kids. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, one of my best mates from the Marines got, he got, he did private security, he got shot dead and got taken out big time in, in Iraq. Mm. And he had, oh, horrible to think of. He had a little boy, must have been about two. Mm. He called in the name that he always was going to call his little boy. I'm not, I'm specifically not saying his name. Pe people who know me probably know who I'm talking about, but he had a yeah, beautiful, yeah. beautiful wife. Um, she was it's a mental, real, like, mover and shaker and, you know. And I, I just, I think it's, I think the dynamic is different if you're serving and you're in the Marines, say, and you've got a family and you go on operations, like, say, to Afghan. But if you've got, like, a really, like, lovely family and you've got kids, I don't know how people do it. And I'm not talking them down for whatever, whatever they want to do, but I just don't know how they do it. It's like, because it's, it's like legal. It's just child, not worth it. Abuse. It's mental. I just, I just don't know how they do it because it's just, there's no amount of money that's worth it. And that's what I found in Afghan when I were doing CP in Afghan. I just got to a realisation where I just thought, I'm not even bothered about how much I'm earning a month here anymore. I just, and I think when you get there, you have to leave. Because I just, I kind of just felt like, what am I doing? Like, it's just not worth it. Yeah. Uh, it's just not worth what I'm doing. Yeah, I get upset when i got people on a podcast or I chat, like I say, chat to a lot of people. And they say, well, I, I'm an army brat. or I'm an, And I say, stop saying that about yourself. And you can see how it's affected them, having to go mm. to all these new schools, not having daddy's, you know, daddy's not. It's not, yeah. You know, every every it's, year every year of your childhood, your dad's there for three months. Yeah, know? it's not good, is it? 
it's 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 just it, there's no part of it that's it, it, that's, call it that's advantageous. It, let, let's call it what it is. It it you know it it's um it's mental neglect. Mm. You know there, there's yeah it's tough. It, it, you in social work there's categories of abuse and there's obviously physical, sexual, but mental is is an equal one. And my mate used to cry himself. He's after the Falklands and his dad was the company commander down there for one of four twos um company commanders my mate used to watch the news to see all they used to list the dead after the news right he used to scroll up the screen all the people that had been killed in battle that day or the previous day and he's there what was i i was he would have, he was 11 years old watching the news to see if his dad was dead right and then he used to take himself up in a bath and cry so no one could, you know, see that he was crying. And um, it's not normal, is it? I mean, come on, it's not. Nah. That's, that's not normal. No. It's that. It's it's just no way to uh, no way to. Look. And you know what? That has a massive uh, that has a massive effect, negative effect on a on a maturing, young, susceptible mind, without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, and like you said, all the turmoil and the the misplacement and. Uh, I'm sure you know, mate, but attachment is a is a massive, massive thing in psychology. Uh, uh, attachment theory, Mary Ainsco's attachment theory. Yeah. Uh, and if you don't, uh, if you don't achieve a secure attachment to at least one caregiver, you don't have to be a mum and dad or a caregiver. It has massive detrimental effects on when you get older and your success as an adult. Well, uh, this is where your so sociopath comes in, doesn't it? Someone who's never known love doesn't know how to give possibly doesn't yeah. know how to give love um yeah bowlby was the guy we used to study in social work. he talked about attachment theory with bowlby right. it was more to do with the infant the very young so you're a baby in a crib when you cry you're supposed to get picked up and that reassures you then that you you know but then you've got these babies like say in a romanian orphanage you just cry or there's no one there they're just that's it then this is the, that's it this, this, I think there's, I think there's, there's five, there's five different attachments that can be drawn from certain kind of parenting, parenting as a child, and just like you said, mate, if a baby gets picked up upon crying, it gives them the reassurance. And what happens is, as they, as they get older, they leave the safe base, which is the carer, and only to maybe play in a room, but then they look back and they come back, and that process of always going a step further, but knowing there's somebody there, just allows them when they get older. To say go traveling on a bigger 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 scale and go out and explore the world and go down to london if you live up north to pursue work uh because you kind of know that you've always got a safe base mm. uh it's, it's absolutely massive and and it's a massive uh trick that us servicemen are missing in uh, especially in private when you, you're going out for months and months on end and, and leaving small children it's uh it's detrimental yeah i i just think children come first adults mm. sorry you made your choices but children come first um yeah but then again you know difficult one in it we're all human and we all make decisions and we think they're the right ones at the power we quite often as service we just make the easy one don't we we do what we want to do really and it's a very set you're very selfish you're very very selfish mm. uh in your approach in a lot of ways mm. yeah to make tell me about this uh this hundred mile uh adventure that you went on recently i saw that 
on uh, on Instagram. You kept putting posts out. How did that come about? Oh, well, every year since 2018, I think, I've been doing a big extreme endurance event every year. So 2018, I ran an ultramarathon every day for 36 days, the length of the UK, carrying a 15 kilogram Bergen and sleeping by the side of the road. Mate, where, where does your rationale come from for that and your mindset? What, what, I what just prompts wanted, you to do that? God, mate, I wanted to get away from the family. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I, I, I just love my life, mate. I love life and I've, I don't have any issue being on my own. And I thought I'll, I'll have a little bimble down the country. What well, aren't, you know, I've, I've, I've got a lightweight sleeping. I bought a lightweight sleeping bag of about 300 quid. I bought a lightweight roll mat, ultralight blow up roll mat, 200 quid. I bought a bloody ultralight tent, 480 quid. <laughs> it's just insane, right? So I've got all this kit. Thing is, all oh, I've got this ultralight wind shield for my cooker from China. Arrived the day I was going, right? ultra everything was ultra light and it still weighed 15 kilos to have the i did manage to get it down as i i I, as a matter of necessity i had to get that weight down because i broke my leg halfway down the country i i had a a shin splint so a fractured right leg so um that was interesting wow Um, that was interesting that's um that's where the rum came in but that's another story again so (laughs) So I did that. I ran to John O'Groats to Land's End, and it was, yeah, it's a good old thing. Everyone should do it, you know. So you did ten miles a day for ten days. Is that how you did it? Uh, that one, I I did uh, about thirty mile, around thirty miles a day every day for thirty six. Fucking hell! So yeah. So how, did, how did you? How did you fit? My goal was. Just how how, how, how did on, you? Mate. How did you? How did you cope with that mentally? Because obviously. Uh, you would have been massively fatigued physically, Mate, and then obviously I, that then goes into the mental aspect of it, it doesn't it? It gets worse than that. I was I'd been disabled for two years before it. I'd um I ruptured a disc in my back, and I was bed bound for six months. Um, I was in chronic agony, just don't really doped up with mega mega strong opiate drugs for eighteen months. And, you know, then you've got to get off all that shit, which is just a nightmare again. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. I got an operation to remove part of this disc in my back. And, and off the back of that, here's the thing. This is where it all gets a bit weird because I never get sick. I'm alkaline, so I can't get sick. Mm-hmm. But I did have this thing that they're talking about, right? So I can't kind of go down there. But uh, what all I'm trying to say is, that, you know, I... I have some serious questions it's what people think it is i think it, you know my experience is i don't get coughs colds flu i never get any of that stuff right you, when you're alkaline mm-hmm. you, do, you don't you don't get that stuff right and that's why i do it that's why i eat vegetables is i don't like being ill mm-hmm. but then i had that thing and for sick for for uh, four months i couldn't stop coughing and my son was doing it too right and the time, the four months that I planned to train to run the length of the country, it, you know, they say don't train when you're ill, don't they? You know, you let your mm. body. So I didn't train. Rest. And then when it got to the, the time my flight was going up to John O'Groats, I still hadn't done any training, having not gone further than the car for two years. Um, so it's 
it, but I went up there, mate. I went up there, alkaline, firing, you know, on good form. And I just wanted to show people you can do whatever you want if you put your mind to it. You just can't, you know. Mate, I completely, I, I, I absolutely agree, completely. That's just an unbelievable feat of, uh, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. But like, it's, it's all in the mind. It is all in the mind. Yeah, the last two days were, were hard. I was at a place called, um, I think it was Liscard, which is just over the border here in Corn in, into Cornwall. And I looked at the map and it was 80 miles to Land's End. And this was Friday evening, right? Mm. And I was just pitching my tent. So it meant I had to, having already run the length of the country with a broken leg, I had to run 80 miles in two days. Otherwise, I'd miss all the people that had gone, gone down to clap me in to Sunday, obviously, being a day off. Oh, my God. And I remember that morning standing on that highway at seven in the morning, staring. Down, there were no car. There was very few cars. I was literally stood in the highway, staring down the dual carriageway. And I thought, let's do this. And that was it. And uh, so I, I ran pretty much um, the best part of 80 miles in two days, carrying this Bergen, having already done 34 ultra marathons. And that last day, mate, I was... Because I couldn't stop, I had to get to Land's End, or everyone would just go go home, and I'd let them all down. I I I just had to keep running, and I was absolutely absolutely spent. I couldn't speak. All I could do is make, <laughs> all I could do is make noises and point. I was the pe people coming out. Come a couple of bootnecks came to run with me, and I'm really and they're like water. He wants water. I get his berry out, get his berry out. <laughs> it's like, um, yeah, anyway, so I did, that was 2018. 2019, I came last in my first ever triathlon, Olympic triathlon, come last, come so late, my son's going, where's my daddy? <laughs> right? They even tried to get me to, to like pull out of it because I was so beat. So I decided that at that moment, I'll do a quadruple Ironman in, in eight weeks time. So having come last in a triathlon, I then went on to swim nine miles, cycle 450 and run 108 miles all, all in a week. Um, the next year, uh, 2019, I'm missing out on something here, but I, um, I this last Christmas, I gave up my Christmas to run around a running track. I ran 100 miles around a running track. What, just a standard uh, athletics track? Yeah. 400 metres? Don't ever do it, folks. Boring as. <laughs> so, oh, my God. I did 100 miles. What, what, what was that like? Very hard. I, I was, how, how, how long did it take you, that? Um, the 100 miles around a running track, right, which I thought I could do in, like, 24 hours, I really did, ended up taking me two and a half days. <laughs> and then... <laughs> When they shut the running track for Christmas Day, I, I went out onto Dartmoor and I ran another 100 miles through the worst storm in, that God. we've had in recent history, right? Snap, I tore my calf muscle, all this sort of stuff. But ah, anyway, it, was, it wasn't, you know. And then, how, old um, were you when you, how old were you, Chris, when you joined the Marines? 16? 18. 18. Okay. I think there's a lot to be said for lads that join between like 16 and 18. And when they're successful in the Marines, they just end up doing really mad shit like you. Yeah. The thing is, for me, it's not mad, though. It would be mad not to do it. 
Yeah, yeah, fair yeah. enough. Yeah, just a matter of perspective. Yeah, and it's and I'll be honest, it might sound hard, but I'm actually taking the easy option, mm. right? So I learned to fly. I'm a, I've got a pilot's license for life. I say that because I did it in the US. So, you, so I'm a pilot for life now. I don't have to like requalify every year like you do in the UK. Um, was it hard? No, I just had to chuck three and a half grand at it. This is quite a while ago. And, and commit to three and a half weeks of training in the States, right? You had to study, you had to, you know, it, it, they didn't, they don't give it to you, but it's not beyond impossible. So I did that, mm. uh, skydiving, they gave me an airplane. I flew up the coast and went skydiving for, for two weeks, got my skydiving license, right? That's pretty piss easy. Um, and great fun. The, the challenges is I just always ask myself, what's the worst that can happen? Well, running the length of the country, maybe you get hurt and you have to hitch a lift to the, to the nearest doctors or a hotel or something. That's not, anyone can do that. Right? That's, mm -hmm. that's the worst thing that can happen. You know? mm -hmm. So that's what I say. And for me, it, it just makes life worth living and it, it would be hard not to do, you know? So to answer your question, I was supposed to run across the desert last week, Marathon of the Sands, right? You run across the Sahara Desert in Morocco. And because I won't uh, have this uh, procedure, they they wouldn't let me on the plane. Mm. So um, my five grand is still uh, in limbo. Can you get that back? Or? Well, it might be that they have to give it back because no one's forcing me to do anything that I don't want to do. It's just never going to happen. Mm. As I keep saying to the veterans out there who are starting to wake up and pay attention, this isn't going away. This isn't like mm. if you do this thing, oh, it's all everything's back to no, there is no normal now. This is an age old. This is an agenda that's gone on for a long, long, long time. The people that are behind it are incredibly nasty, but they're also incredibly clever and incredibly smart. So I don't know. I, you know, this is why I'm saying people got to start pulling their finger out because that means you're never allowed to travel ever again. That means you never let you can never go and see your family in Australia. This means you never go on holiday again unless it's in 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 the UK or you smuggle yourself out of the country. This means you never go in a never can go in a nightclub ever again in your life. Right. This is what we're looking at. And this is what everyone's blindly just go. Not everyone. You know, there's many good people out there that are putting up a good fight. Um, but this is what I say to veterans. Now is your time. This is why you swore an oath. Don't just roll over and shit on your children because it makes your life easier. It's, it's, um, ah, anyway, sorry, going off on one, Gareth. But the point is, I couldn't get on the plane. So I thought, right, what can I do in this country? And my friend, DJ Mark Wilkinson, he's also gives me, he's my life coach. Um, he was raising money for a little girl called Christina, who's recovering from a brain tumor and needs special you know, treatment. So I said, look, why don't I run a hundred miles down the coastal path, which is something I've always wanted to do. And I'll give, raise the money for this little girl. And um, we've just made 2000 pounds. So thank you amazing. everybody who supported me. It's amazing, mate. Yeah. And it was fun. It was nice. I, I took it, I bought an ultra lightweight uh, bivy bag. Like it, it's actually called a special forces bivy bag. And uh, at night, you know, when I was a bit spent and, I had me evening meal, ran into the rain. It was the weather was quite bad. I just got climbed in that and slept and carried on in the morning. But 
yeah i'm surprised you're not up for this sort of stuff gareth i mean i'm getting there mate you know what i really am i'm i'm getting to... in the last couple of months i think coming out of of of, of lockdown and uh and this covid uh carry on i want to do something i feel like i, I want a challenge uh and i'm ready to i think challenge myself physically again and mentally and just and just again put myself out of my comfort zone i've i've spent like nearly four or five years writing the book so i just kind of just want to just get out there and and just uh just have a bit of a a bit of a refining of myself really just just challenge very much like yourself mate i think it, i think it's in us where we just want to every now and again you want to you want to do something that's just really really tough and just see where you are and just have that spiritual experience yeah, what was good, and I'll tell you, this was really beautiful, is my old Marine mates all come out to support me, my, tr you know, troop mates from training. Yeah, it's fantastic, mate. Yeah, and, I mean, one of them drove all the way from Birmingham, so to see me at Land's End. Uh, one of them chased me around Scotland trying to find me just so he could, like, buy me lunch or something, just to, you know, say well done. Um, another one, Steve, bless him, one of my best friends just come out to get me, took me back to his farm, you know, lanced my blisters, massaged my feet with CBD oil because my legs were so, like, swollen towards the end. Of it. Like, it was pretty messy. And um, I'm probably forgetting some people there as well. But the thing is, what Steve said is, like, God, Chris, you've just awoken the spirit in me that I had when I went to Limpston. And I forgot, I forgot that we... He come out, right? This is for friends at home. This is why, you know, this is why the Marines is so special. Is him and Mike Buster Keating, who subsequently run the country himself. They both put me up on my way down. And in the morning, they both lifted up that backpack, put it on, both around 40 miles non-stop. So, Someone asking about the tattoo. <laughs> yeah, whose face is it? So I'm just putting it out there. Any, any, uh, any guesses? Um, don't break my heart, my achy breaky, is it? <laughs> What's his name? The blue in Miley Cyrus, Billy Ray Cyrus. No, it's not that, mate. No. Is it? You're no. going to tell You're going to say it's someone who's died now, aren't you? And, yeah, and, it is, mate. Yeah. yeah and I'm going to wish I wasn't. Wish I wasn't making jokes. Frank Bell, exactly. Yeah. See if there's any more, uh, any more revelations on that. That's so, right, mate. Yeah, Dale, uh, Ali. Yeah, absolutely correct. So sorry, who is it? I, I, I... Muhammad, Muhammad Ali. Oh, yeah. You he's, can, he's you can been, see it better. It's... He come out with one of my favourite ever quotes, and he said, if a man believes the same thing at 40 as he did when he was 18, he's wasted his life. Mm. And mm. how often as veterans do we see that? I just I just loved him. I, I think as a person, he was just absolutely fantastic. It were his courage that I admired to go against the grain uh, and just... And just say, you know what, I'm, I am me, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to fight for something I don't believe in. And I think it's just incredibly powerful. And I just loved his his stance on, on human rights and equality. And I just think he's just, I think he was just incredible. So it's just something that I felt like I had to do, really. Gareth, on that note, I'm going to love you and leave you, brother. Um, I, I it's been a pleasure, mate. Oh, mate, we could chat all night. It's just great. And thank you for listening to me and for everybody at home. You know, I've. I've talked as, as much as gareth but this is why I, I like these chats hopefully you can get something from it i'm saying i'm going to cut and run mate because i like to tell my boy 
a story before he goes off and I might just catch him while he's awake. Um, uh, massive thank you. Wish you all the best. But I was just going to read a little bit now, but we'll have to do that next time. Yeah, next time, mate. Absolutely. Folks, yeah. there's a link below, so grab yourself a copy. Thank you again for my shirt, buddy. Mental. Pleasure, mate. Pleasure. Um, yeah. When I mate, thanks for inviting me on. I always enjoy chatting, mate. And oh. uh, yeah, absolutely fantastic. Mate, mate, let's just do it again soon, mate, because it's uh, wonderful. Thanks to everyone in the chat. Thank Cheers, you, everyone. Patty. Cheers, Thank buddy. You, Jane. Thank you, Ben. Everybody, Frank, Andrew, Luke, for taking charge of everything. I'm going to play us out. Friends, thank you for listening to the Bought the T-Shirt podcast. Please like, subscribe and share. And don't forget to follow me on social media. Username, Chris Thrall. Instagram, Chris.Thrall. Thank you.